Thanks, Moena and Maeve. I'm not going to try and say word. I'll just stick to English. But good morning. We're beginning a new series, as Joe has said, Scripture that sustains, where the preacher will speak from a passage that sustained them personally these COVID times. And today, 1 Kings 17 and the widow of Zarephath, yes, is what not many of you are saying right now. But only because that's what I've been reading through during these weeks. So let's pray. The title of today's talk is Life from Death by God's Word. Let's pray. Father God, do feed us from your life-giving word this day and each day for Jesus' day. And in his name we pray. Amen. Some of you will know this book, and I I'll say I need to be careful how I hold it up. Some of you know this book, The Beginner's Bible for Young Kids. It's well-loved, this one, been served the Baird family very well. 95 Bible stories from the Old and New Testaments. Now, if you can see, on the cover is Jesus and Peter. There's also Adam and Eve there and Moses. There's a boy, David and even a happy Goliath with them all. Now, as a family, each night, we'd read a story or two and pray. Quite simple. And sometimes, though, an Old Testament story leaves us adults asking, what? What was that? It's so random. And today was one of those passages, I recall, a widow picking up sticks suddenly gets a jar of never-ending oil. And maybe you've had this experience even as an adult with the Old Testament. But today I hope we see that it's the scriptures that sustain for life, as our very life. And I hope even the humble discipline of a story a night with prayer, you'll see as one of the most valuable things you can give to a young family. Three points in the talk today, life from death beyond Israel, life from death for the widow's son, life from death in answer to prayer. So point number one, life from death beyond Israel. It's roughly 850 BC and these are dark days under King Ahab and his evil rule Baal worshippers, worshippers of Baal, are holding all the power in Israel. And Jezebel, the king's wife, hunts down God's prophets to kill them. Kind of like, if you know Star Wars, Order 66. They're dark days. But in this climate, Elijah springs on the scene. His name means the Lord is God. He and not Baal, gives the rain and gives life itself. Have a look at 1 Kings 17 and verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And you go, wow. That's bold before a powerful and evil king who wants you dead. And next, the word of the Lord comes to him. Verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, 
turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. Okay, is it retreat from King Ahab hunting down the prophets? Perhaps, although God does not need to retreat, it's more like judgment on Israel. Remember verse 1, Elijah said, no rain for years, drought. And in Elijah departing the land, it's like drought of God's word. And yet Elijah feasts. He feasts, notice, at God's command in verse 4. And in verse 6, he eats bread and meat morning and night. It's life from death, life from death threats for Elijah. But he's beyond Israel. And similar again, verse 8. Look at verse 8 with me. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. It's the same pattern again. God's word comes saying, go, I've directed someone to feed you, this time not a bird but a widow, and he goes. But verse 12, this widow is near death. The drought has also hit Sidon very hard and the widow can't feed Elijah. Verse 12, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you've said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family incredible life from death beyond Israel but why her why this widow it's so random well Jesus tells us in the New Testament in early on in his ministry in Luke chapter 4 Luke chapter 4 you can flick there or hear me read it verse 24 Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. It's God's judgment. In Elijah's day, Elijah the prophet wasn't accepted in his home place. In Jesus' day, Jesus is not accepted in his hometown. What about this day? 2020 AD, in this town, is God's word acceptable? Is it acceptable for you? 
I've heard of two people in recent weeks, in these isolation weeks, becoming Christians through the church ministry here. Praise God by his life-giving word. But is God also in his word? Is his word life-shaping for us, for our households? If in recent weeks it's been more drought or famine of his word, do take note, won't you? Arrest, arrest that trend. I don't say this lightly, but for God's people, that was the stuff of judgment. And it's been a wake-up call to me and my personal disciplines. But let's together turn to God in his word, which is your very life. Point number two is life from death for the widow's son. So far, God sustained Elijah's life and this widow's family by his word, but it takes a dark turn. Verse 17, verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what have you against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? He's dead. And she thinks it's because Elijah, as a man of God, has somehow focused God's attention upon her sin and caused her son to die. She's lost her husband. She's lost her son. And sure, God, through Elijah, gave food, never-ending before, but this is next level, isn't it? It's a dead boy. Elijah carries him upstairs and he prays. Verse 20, verse 20. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Incredible. But another what moment. Why lie on the, child, the dead child three times? It's obscure. But what is clear in the passage is his prayer. And verse 22, God listens. And notice the woman's response, verse 24. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. God's word is truth truth it's life from death for the widow's son and now later again in jesus day jesus also raised the dead to life for many to see he including a widow's son and jairus's dead daughter you might recall luke 7 luke 9 so you sort of can understand when jesus asks of his disciples who do the people say that i am some say Elijah. But the miracles are not an end in themselves. They teach that we'll know God as he's spoken to us. Since becoming a Christian as a young man, one of my favourite Bible passages has been Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 from verse 19 onwards. It's the rich man and Lazarus. 
You might remember the rich man clothed in purple and feasting on rich food every day. And at his gate was the poor man Lazarus, but both of them died. The poor man was carried to heaven and the rich man to Hades, hell. But he lifts his eyes and cries to Abraham in heaven for Lazarus to dip his finger into water and cool this man's tongue from the fire. But no, says Abraham, can't happen. No one can cross. Okay, says this man in Hades, send him to warn my five brothers so they won't come here either. And listen to the response from Abraham that Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, verse 29. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And maybe it's a bit of a dark passage to have as a favourite. But the widow, in verse 24 of 1 Kings 17, the widow knows God. God's word and Jesus says unbelief is of God at his word. Jesus who like Elijah lay in the place of the dead not on top of a corpse but himself the corpse having died to save those of the nations from Sidon, from Australia, from the nations represented at Easy English Church here from fire and from death. Those who trust him at his word, like this widow. Even radical trust like this widow. Did you notice in verse 13, she feeds Elijah, this stranger, with her last meal before she even feeds her son or herself. That is trust at God's word for your very life. So do hold fast to his word, won't you? In every sphere of life, as your very life. If only, as I was reading through, if only Israel's kings and her people were like this widow. Yes, why would I choose such a weird passage to preach? As I said, one and two kings is what I've been reading through. It's sustained me these, these weeks. And it's clear all through the books, the rise and fall of Israel's kings is all in fulfilment of God's word. If only they'd listen. Knowing God as he's spoken means we'll depend on him. Point number three is life from death in answer to prayer. Last week, Sandy Grant finished our series in Job with the only place in the New Testament Job's name is mentioned in Job chapter 5. And this week, we're going there again, where Elijah's name is mentioned just afterwards. In James chapter 5, verse 16, Elijah is held up as an example to us to pray. James 5, 16 onwards. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. 
he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Elijah prays earnestly but we are not told that in 1 Kings 17. So how good is the scriptures that interprets the scripture for us? I think he's probably praying this even before he's received a specific word from the Lord on this drought because he knows God in his scriptures. Knowing Israel's great sin that's before his eyes, he prays radically for drought, like we could see in Deuteronomy 28. Then in 1 Kings 18, after those years pass, the famous face-off between God and Baal on Mount Carmel, Elijah prays, and it does rain, that God's people will know him as their very life. In my eight years working as an accountant before full-time ministry, I had various different bosses, and some of the bosses you knew not to approach. You don't just go up to them in their office or catch them at lunch. That is not God. Knowing God as our Redeemer by Christ's blood means we approach confidently and also confessingly. And I remember at the start, it seems like so long ago, at the start of this COVID season on the campus ministry I'm a part of and here at St Michael's, were calls to daily prayer. But as restrictions now ease, let's not ease in our prayer. If we do know God, if we do know him, but fail to pray, I've asked myself, do we really know God? As our good father who longs to give good gifts to his children, as he's told us, He's made us righteous in his sight by Christ's blood. And as James says, the prayers of a righteous person have power knowing God at his word. So to finish, there are many seemingly weird passages of scripture. All of it, though, is God-breathed. So, like the widow of Zarephath, this widow, know God at his word for your very life and knowing him like Elijah let's keep watchful in prayer together feed on the word each day and so we'll be sustained to pray the very best we could give one another this whole city of Wollongong this world indeed our households let me pray for us Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for the richness of your word that is our very life, that sustained Elijah and the widow, but yet was judgment on Israel in his leaving. Keep feeding us, Father, we pray, to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, his rule and his reign, having died for sinners as we await his day and his return. And we pray for your mercy on many that we know in this city and personally, Help us to keep in prayer for them, that they will know and trust you at your word through Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks, John, for helping us listen to God. John said, Elijah is an example to us to pray. We can approach God confidently and talk to him, and he delights to give us good gifts. So let's do that now. It's time now for us to speak to God in prayer. Let's start by praying the Lord's Prayer. Together, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. 